0: At Fidelity, value is automatic, starting with the rate you can get on your cash when you open a new retail brokerage account. Learn more at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC.
1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Jim Kramer, welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job, not just to educate, but to teach, put it in perspective. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What bounces best? That's what you must be thinking about at this point. After a session with the Dow and the S&P 500 have their worst single-day point drop in history, what stocks make sense to buy? In this new stay-at-home era that's been hammering the major averages, the Dow plunging up 1,191 points, biggest point drop on record, the S&P plummeting 4.42 percent, and the NASDAQ nosediving 4.61 percent. This is panic, okay? This is what panic looks like, particularly the last 45 minutes. We don't advocate panic because it's not a strategy. You can have all the obvious defensive names. You can talk about the staples. I can do that any day of the week. The stuff you need to stock up on, the outbreak sweeps through the country. Yeah, you buy stuff like this, all right. And the mar- stock markets seem to be signaling that that's going to happen today's lows. Last 45 minutes, I think the lows could be revisited. What the hell? This virus has a three-week incubation period, so we'll probably see more and more people getting sick. People who, of course, never went to China, which is always scary. Now, right? Uh, We got the first one in Northern California yesterday. Probably touched dozens of people while he was asymptomatic, but still contagious. When there's one, there's usually plenty more, and we know the drawbridges to our country are now down. The coronavirus is indeed everywhere. You might be able to block travelers from one or two countries, but this is going to keep spreading. And that's why we have to be prepared for more selling tomorrow. And it's the weekend. Uh, probably maybe even some more selling on Monday. There's unlikely to be any good news between now and Monday. The CDC is now saying it's and not if, but when there's a lot of, I, I would say, discord at the top levels of government about what to say and what not to say. Uh, they told the CDC told us to expect disruption in our lives, major disruption. That's what I'm going on. For me, this feels a lot like when I was a little boy, before we had vaccines for, boy, I'm dating myself, for chicken pox and measles. Hey, you knew you were going to get them. You knew people died from them. Kids died. Still do. It was frightening. But there was nothing anyone could do. You just didn't want to be one of the kids who died. Then we got a vaccine. And now only the people in danger, well, the only ones in danger are the kids whose parents don't believe in vaccine. That said, I'm not a doctor. I don't like talking about health. I have no edge. I, I, never even, I don't even play one on TV. I'm more of a little value-added Googler and CDC watcher. I like that CDC.gov site. But I do know stocks, and I know panic. I know the companies that come on air. I know which ones to like. I know ones which aren't worth liking. More important, I know what oversold is, and we are double-digit oversold when the S&P oscillator follow. It's been wrong only once in 30 years. To start buying, one thirty years, that was during the financial crisis. Do you know that we had eighty-eight percent decliners today, ninety-one point six percent declining volume? You know what that means? The late great Mark Haynes always told me that's what a bottom looks like. Today I'm going to go with my beloved late friend, smart fella. So you know what I did? I didn't come out here and tell you everything's bad and it's panic and it's you know every, every man for woman for himself. I'm putting together a list of ten stocks. I haven't done this yet. Ten stocks that I think will work while we wait for a cure or a vaccine or simply for the outbreak to run its course, which it will. This portfolio is different from what you've heard all day about what you should own when growth slows thanks to the virus. It's also different from the staples that I like, even though the staples are a vital part of your portfolio. This is not eyewash. This list is about the, the, the other group that can work in a slowdown. And no one talks about it. It's about tech. If you can find stock, it's not FANG, okay? Eh, you know, it's a FANG. I like FANG, but it's not FANG. If you can find stocks with solid, long-term, secular growth themes that have persistently high growth regardless of the economy, that have little China exposure, and most importantly, that work in a largely stay-at-home work environment, then these names will be worth buying tomorrow. I'm including a couple of stocks that I've been recommending for the past three weeks, even though they've run a lot, because I want you to be ready to back up the truck if they pull back. And they probably will. No stock that I'm recommending has uh, never been on Mad Money. They've all been on several, been on many times. So I feel like it's not just book learning. First, Apple quarter. Adobe. I've always admired the products in this company has empowered more students and small businesses to develop their own e-commerce platforms than maybe anyone else. Although it's also a major enterprise component that I don't like right now. But in my view, Adobe's the best of the cloud kings. And I like that Morgan Stanley just this morning bumped its price target from 410 to 450 in the teeth of an obvious sell-off. Can it go down? It's a big dollar amount. Of course it can. Don't I like it lower? Yes. Second, Etsy. One later tonight. Hey, I was looking for stocks where people can use the product while they're working from home because that's all we're going to be doing, according to all the uh, smart people I talk to. And that's exactly what Etsy is for both buyers and sellers. They just reported a remarkable quarter last night, as you'll hear in a bit. It's the ultimate remote stock. We like remote now. Third, while it's gotten too high after a big rally these last couple of days, you know I've been an endless pigbacker of Moderna, which reversed and reversed hard today. Why do I like this? Biotech, because Dr. Tony Fauci, who I hope is not marginalized, the greatest epidemiologist in the world, was shocked by how fast they developed a potential vaccine for COVID-19. Oh, you shouldn't be shocked. We've had them on the show a bunch of times. Technology allows them to hijack your cells by taking over your RNA, which is like the messenger that takes the blueprints from your DNA and makes them reality. Oh, and, and Moderna uses Amazon Web Services to figure out which permutations will work. If you don't like Moderna, uh, may I suggest you try Regeneron? It's another great vaccine company. There are the ones that beat Ebola. Fourth, NVIDIA. It just had a remarkable quarter. It's products used for gaming, data centers, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all themes that will keep working regardless of what happens with this epidemic and if you get sick or I get sick. If anything, the data center will only grow as more people stay at home, and gaming is the ultimate stay at home entertainment. I don't want to risk owning an individual game publisher, so Nvidia is better. Jensen Wong, great quarter. Fifth is Ring Central. Some owners say, Ring Central, how can I help you? Because it's a cloud based communication software play. Businesses bring in Ring Central so their employees can stay in touch with customers wherever they are, and whenever they are, and however they want to be reached. Well, isn't that what this is about? This is a stay-at-home company. No wonder it rallied today. I'm blown away by this business, by Vlad Muniz. Uh, he's going to impale the shorts. Couldn't resist. Six, Shopify. Okay, this is another small business empowerment story. So many people who work and sell their products from home use Shopify to do it. So you have to say home now? It's like you know duck comes down, you have to say home. They're the ultimate e-commerce facilitator. Right now you're going, getting a brutal, exogenous pullback in the stock. I think you can start buying it right here. I like that they're Canadian. Seventh is Square, another small business enable. that just put a remarkable quarter. Their Square Cash app is growing like a weed. They have a remarkable payments processing business with the with money lending kicker that's tied right to the register. And Moffat Nathanson analyst, Lisa Ellis, the ax to the name, believe Square could also be a takeover candidate. What more can you? How can you not like a company with fundamental, great fundamentals that could also be a takeover candidate? Uh, Eighth, we had Teledoc on the show a bunch of times. We had one three weeks ago. I immediately told you, bam, 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 you got to buy this one. It was a 104. Now it's at 135. Wait for a to pull back on something? You don't have to. You can pounce. It's fine with me. Teladoc's a winner. It's what you should be owning. Ninth is the Trade Desk. What's that about? What's well, it's another one we're going to hear from tonight. This is the company that's heavily levered to cord cutting for at-home watching. Take, uh, uh, TTD is an online advertising technology play. You go to them when you want to reach the coveted younger de- demographic in an era where everybody watches streaming programming instead of TV. And it's also where all the candidates are putting their money that I can tell almost all. Finally, tenth, the one I've backed for Len, will say, I'm sick of talking about it. I've backed it so many times and boys it been right. I'm talking Zoom. Zoom video. Do you know the partners with everyone? There is, I haven't talked to anyone. I mean, oh, yeah, of course, I'm partners with Zoom. I'm partners with Zoom. I'm partners with Zoom. Well, that's because they're great. As Kramer Total Fave CEO Eric Yuan told us, their phone is ringing off. Look, I, I think I called. I, there were major customers trying to get a hold of them while I was on the show. Video is the number one name to buy if Zoom video if, uh, on any pullback because it is the ultimate stay. At-home, 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 and at-home. It matters. Remember, highest-growth stocks bounce first. Highest growth with good balance sheets, like all of these, are what you buy when bond yields plummet, as they are all long-dated assets that become a lot more attractive versus the pathetically low interest rates you're getting from the third year treasuries right now. Oh, by the way, I don't care about the Fed. I'm sick of hearing about the Fed. This is a biological problem. It's a biological crisis. It's not a financial crisis. You want me to talk about the Fed? I just did. Bottom line, these 10 uh, tech stocks, they don't need China. They don't need the Fed. They don't need enterprise spending. And they don't need us to stop the coronavirus. They need you to be at home where you're supposed to be. If anything, some of them should do even better as this outbreak gets worse. That's why I like them. I like them just the way they are. Sorry to not be panicky. I don't like it when everyone else panics. Let's go to John, in New Hampshire. Please, John. Hey Jim, I'm just following up from my question on Monday about Disney. Uh, oh, which one? Disney
2: price reflects the possibility of the parks in the U.S. closing?
1: Yeah, definitely. Disney's a oh, she a one eighteen. I don't know one twelve. Buy some like Chapel Trust sold some. I didn't they did like one thirty eight, one forty. Got to buy that back. Bob is probably saying, "What the heck? Oh no, he's not. He's probably panicking." This is fine. Let's go to David in Florida, please. David. Hey Jim, first time caller. How are you doing today? I'm having a super duper day. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing all right, sir. Hey, I have a question. I want to know about Next Era Energy, NEE, a Florida-based uh, electric utility. They're very and, well uh, They are very well-run utility, which is going to do quite well here. And I actually am glad you asked me about it because I think it's just uh, I've studied them, and fortunately, I've had the people from Elliott. Tutor me on that, and they do tutoring, and they're real smart. Next year is a real good stock to buy. Don't hey, don't forget Dominion and Con Ed's great. Oh, well, I guess I got a lot of spare time on my hands. Highest growth bounces back. These are the names of the stocks that can work while we wait for the coronavirus to run its course. This is my at-home shopping list. Okay, you have money tonight. Stocks are on track for the worst week since the financial crisis, and I'm trembling. and I'm scared. Uh, but I've spotted one bright spot on the tape. Don't miss my sit-down with Etsy after it moved higher today. Then, even if this market's been clubbed over the past week, there are some sectors where things can get worse. I'll reveal the one space I am indeed worried about, and I'm sitting down with Workday, fresh off the report. Uh, and what can I say? Remember, Mark Haynes, the late great Mark Haynes said when you get the vol- declining volume that we had today, you had no choice—you had to buy. Stay with me. At Fidelity,
0: we work to get you a better price for every trade. See how much we saved investors last year at Fidelity.com slash price improvement. Fidelity Brokered Services, member NYSE SIPC.
1: Remember, people are panicking. We buy panic, not sell it. In the midst of yet another sea of red, there were a few flashes of green stocks that managed to work their way higher despite the gravitational pull of this tape. I mean, can you imagine what it takes to have a stock go up on a day like today? The most impressive by far, Etsy, the online marketplace for handicrafts with a stock that surged nearly 15 percent thanks to a phenomenal quarter. Now, Etsy is one of those rare growth stocks that was down substantially from its highs before the whole viral meltdown got started. This is a long-time cramer fave that's made people a lot of money. But in the second half of last year, the stock got slammed in part because uh, growth went out of style and in part because Etsy, uh, let's say, was slowing to the, let's call it the law of large numbers. Last night, they reported results that felt much more reminiscent of the Etsy of old company earned 25 cents a share when Wall Street was only looking for 16 cents. Higher than expected sales up 35 percent. Robust gross merchandise volume up 32 percent. These are incredible numbers, people. Even better. Management's full year forecast was extremely bullish. No wonder the stock caught fire. So can it maintain its momentum? Let's take a closer look with Josh Silverman, the CEO of Etsy, to get a better read on the quarter. And where's company's headed. Mr. Silverman of Brooklyn. Welcome back to Man Money. Good to see you. Great to see All right, Josh, you. Josh, one of the things that struck me, I said, you know what, I bet you they do a good quarter. Because this may be the most, we like remote plays in this era of corona. You have the most remote business of all. We do. A lot of
0: people are worried about their supply chain, right? Right. You've got factory workers all coming to the same place. You've got goods that are being shipped from place to place, which makes people nervous in this environment. But Etsy makers are already working from home. So uh, we feel very resilient.
1: Now, it looks like that you are doing some uh, ad campaigns. Initially, you, you yourself were critical but some ad campaigns that that are so great for people who sell on Etsy. Yeah, we're really
0: excited about TV. I mean, the opportunity for Etsy is huge, and we've been investing for some time in channels like Google, which have been working well, but uh, we're really excited about TV because it gives us the opportunity to tell the story of Etsy. And in the fourth quarter, uh, we were really excited about the results, so you'll see us do more and more TV in 2020. I
1: was going to say, it's pretty self-fulfilling, right? I mean, you... uh It's a virtuous circle when you advertise in terms of bringing out people who really Want, have creativity within them.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, so many people have shopped on Etsy and had a really great right. experience. They just don't know when to think of Etsy. So the TV campaigns are really designed for that shoulder tap to show you all this great merchandise and all these great opportunities when you could be and should be shopping
1: what on Etsy. How many people do you think are coming back from initially the site before you was a little klutzy? Yeah. Now it's well organized, particularly around these very big seasonal events where we're sick and tired of going to the mall and buying things that everyone knows. Yeah, Yeah, I
0: mean, the ability to shop from an actual human and interact and get that handwritten note is a huge part of what's driving Etsy. We stand for something different. So in a world where everything is becoming more and more commoditized, Etsy is the place you go for something special and something different. And we think that means more today than it ever has.
1: How many of your uh, customers are small businesses like like my wife who couldn't figure out how to make her restaurant look different from everybody else. She said, I just got to go on Etsy to find things.
0: It's a great question. So, you know, we have uh, over 40 million uh, buyers just in the past 12 months on Etsy, and they run the gamut, and lots of them are, you know, everything from college students to grandparents to small businesses. Right.
1: Well, I also want to talk about, it was a year ago, you did something. You're a trailblazer, but you did something about the ecological impact because I know that you yourself was concerned about, about packaging. But You want to do what's right for everybody, so it has packaging, but you wanted to mitigate it. And I think it's an acceptable, if not excellent, thing to do. I want to, you to tell people.
0: Yeah, well, we at Etsy have been concerned about the environmental impact of our business for a very long time. And so we've worked at how do we make powering our office happen with renewable energy, and then how do we make powering the servers happen with renewable energy. But when we looked at our carbon footprint as a business, the biggest part of that was shipping. So we said, well, we don't control shipping. It's not within our supply chain, but still we are accountable. And what can we do? So we, uh, we decided to offset all of the carbon that happens from Etsy shipping, which means that we've protected uh, large forests. We're doing things to subsidize the development in wind and solar to effectively take the carbon out of the uh, atmosphere, net. that shipping, so that we net to zero. And you know what? As we've talked about that with our customers the sales on Etsy have gone up. The conversion rate on Etsy goes up because sellers like the fact that we're sustainable. So that program
1: actually pays for itself. Okay, you used a word that I'm glad that, you, that I think everyone's going to use, just like your trailblazers. You said we have to be accountable. So I think there'll probably be some people at home who say, accountable to who? Accountable to who?
0: So we set some goals that said we want to be carbon neutral. And so we've published how much carbon we actually put into the atmosphere but importantly we hired a third party PwC to come and audit us and they audit and then they report and so we've also now bought you know carbon offsets which right. also get audited to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do and that they we actually are removing the carbon so the, the point about signing up to hard targets Publishing them to the world and then letting the world hold us accountable, we think, is very important.
1: And then in terms of uh, another thing you do, right, that I always like to bring up, because when you get blow away numbers, I like to think, well, who's getting getting the big money? Uh, a, A disproportionate number of women who are successful through Etsy.
0: Absolutely. 87% of sellers on, on on Etsy are women. And, you know, we think Etsy is the easiest path to entrepreneurship for, for anyone. With 20 cents and creative energy, you can start a shop on Etsy, and you can run it from your living room and sell to the entire world.
1: One of my favorite uh, CEOs is Shantanu Narayan yeah, from Adobe. Yeah. He always says the reason why he likes what he does is because everybody has a little creativity in them, and the web has allowed them to bring it out. How yeah. many of these people do you think would be able to to have their creativity produce actual results if it weren't for Etsy.
0: You know, about 90% of our sellers say that we were the first place that they went and sold. So we are the on-ramp tool. Before, was it a
1: hobby? What was it?
0: It's just hard. You know, if you're going to open a brick-and-mortar store, you've got to pay for rent, you've got to pay right. for right. merchandise. It's, it's difficult. And with Etsy, all you need to do is make a few samples of your product, right. spend 20 cents a listing, put it up for sale on Etsy, and then allow the, the, the proceeds from that sale to fund the next sale to fund the next.
1: That's right. And I'm so glad you mentioned about the letter. I, I know that you're back and forth with the actual manufacturer. Yeah. That's a new thing. It's like it yeah. probably was 100 years ago.
0: Our mission is keeping commerce human. And in a world where people feel more and more distant from manufacturing, the idea that you buy from the person who actually makes it and you form a relationship with that person, which, by the way, has real value because she can customize the product for you. I love that. But can you do it in short, sleeve instead of long sleeve or can you do it in silver instead of gold? Can you put my initials on it or people who
1: aren't as thin as others?
0: Whatever works for you. Almost everything on Etsy, over 63 million things for sale on Etsy, and almost every one of them can be customized or personalized
1: for you. That's why I love Etsy. Can I say? love what you do. That's Josh Silverman, CEO of Etsy, with the Blah Quarter, and you know why. And by the way, can we just say again, accountable to the earth. Their money's back Even if for this market's been shelved for five days straight. There are still situations where things could get appreciably worse. These stocks are very different from the stocks I mentioned at the top of the show, those high-growth stocks with tremendous opportunity longer term. So why don't we talk less? less uh, you know what we'll do? We'll talk loss mitigation. That's what we'll do. There are two kinds of companies in the blast zone, the ones that are at risk and the ones that are really at risk. Some companies could see their earnings get hammered and stay hammered. Others will see them hammered once or twice or maybe three times, but then their stocks will finally bottom. Until then, I think it's dangerous to try to call a bottom in the entire averages. You might get some bottoms in individual stocks, the ones I talked about. I've got some defensive stocks I'm going to talk about all next week. We're not there yet. That said, if you're investing in an S&P 500 index fund like most of you are and you've got some cash on the sidelines, you do have my blessing to start picking at something here. Uh, just a little. Yes, we're finally that oversold that i bless buying here. If it bounces hard, you can take some profits. But the key here is that you need to buy in stages on the way down. This is a strategy that has worked for me through many different sell-offs, corrections, crashes. And this one, well, it's not that different. Either because of a financial crisis or a biological crisis, this has worked. And I don't think people realize, but SARS really sent the market down transports went down 21%. In my travel trust, we put money to work today. But we still haven't put the money that we sold on Monday and Tuesday. We still kept some back. Why? Because we think tomorrow could be ugly, too. But we have to pick. Uh, That Tuesday temporary bounce really set people back. Crucially, though, you don't want to pick at anything that's right in the heart of the blossom. So we're going to pick the best of the best and tell you why it's the worst of the worst. Southwest Airlines, symbol LUV. This is arguably the best operator in the industry with excellent management from CEO Gary Kelly, an unparalleled history of profitability for an airline in an industry that has needed federal bailouts once or twice a generation. Southwest made money for 45 years in a row. That's astounding. Plus, it's Warren Buffett's favorite airline. He owns 10 percent great endorsement. But with the pandemic sweeping the globe, the airline stocks are toxic. Ever since the COVID-19 nightmare began, I warn you that it's coming. Uh, that it, it's coming for us that our markets simply weren't set up for this kind of economic dislocation. I've probably been the biggest bear on TV when it comes to this virus, which is why I keep telling you to sell all things travel and leisure. Look, it was not hysteria. I had this debate at home. It was not hysteria. But now that everyone's panicked and frightening, now it is time to be Jimmy chill. We're in a new work-at-home economy. All those picks at the stock are work-at-home. I think we'll stay there for the duration the airlines have me worried, especially worried, because people don't want to travel during a pandemic. On top of that, Southwest in particular was already being hurt by the 737 Max grounding, And it doesn't help that oil spending has plummeted they do a lot of business in Texas. It's just a terrible time to own this stock. So when Warren Buffett came on our air Monday morning and told Becky Quick that he doesn't want to buy the rest of Southwest, I reiterated that stock was a sell at the time it was at 55 bucks. Now, with the coronavirus outbreak worsening, we've got a new super spreader in Northern California, probably the first of many, and Buffett's not buying. You've got to conclude that the estimates are definitely too high, despite oil being much weaker, jet fuel. Sure, Southwest has now pulled back 46 and changed from Monday when Buffett said likes the group, but it's still up substantially from where it was trading before President Trump passed uh, passed that huge tax break. Why should Southwest be, say, at 46 instead of, say, 42, where it was trading when Trump got elected? I don't know. I can't give you a good reason. It doesn't have dividend support. It will need all the cash it can get. It's hands on to stay liquid in the face of a global recession. Although it's been very good about repurchasing its shares. So what holds Southwest up here? But that it's a great company. I think it's only trading at these levels because people believe we'll somehow stop the disease, either with a vaccine or containment or a treatment that works and the stock won't go lower. I don't know. Uh, That that means the stock can keep falling to me until somebody comes up with a cure. Sure, it can get oversold uh, when uh, I believe the market can bounce here. It can bounce when Boeing gets permission to fly the max again soon, which I hope is coming. Otherwise, uh, though, I can't think of a reason to own Southwest Air right now. There's too much risk. And again, I'm picking on Southwest because it's the best of the best. You don't want to own any airlines here, just the way I feel about all parts of travel. So now go back to Buffett. He told you on Monday basically not to sweat the small stuff. It, uh, you don't flit. You invest. You bought Southwest that day. You're now down. Call it one-seventh of your investment. Long-term, not much. Short-term, you're a furious yourself unless you're a billionaire. And then you say, well, round the air. I'm not a billionaire. You're not a billionaire. If you didn't buy it then and bought it today, well, you got the edge over the guy who watched Buffett on uh, Monday uh, several thousand points ago. But, and this is the crucial button. Will you have the edge over the guy who buys it next week or the week after? I doubt it. So should you sell some? Look, Southwest is the kind of stock that's really at risk, which means, yes, I would sell some. Because I want to be the guy who buys it a few weeks from now at a much lower level. Not today. Even with oil breaking down here, not today. How about Remus in Ohio, please? Remus.
3: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. I don't normally buy stock in companies that have IPO'd in the last 12 months. However, I do see a lot of similarities between Uber and companies like Tesla and Facebook. Over the next three to five years, do you think Uber is a good purchase based on the market sell off and the change in competitive landscape?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Stocks come down big. It's not going to go away. The market hates Uber right now. It's obvious that Uber lose another 10 percent of its value like that. But I do think that Uber and the way you discuss it long term, that makes sense to me. All right, look, there's at-risk, and then there's really at-risk. I don't want you to buy airlines or travel stocks. Not yet. at them. There's better stuff. Much more mad money ahead. The Dow was down over 2,500 points this week in a sea of red. Are you missing some key earnings stories taking the tape that makes sense to me? Have no fear. I'm talking to Workday, fresh off the report. Then there are plenty of software companies that can potentially hold up in the event of a corona-induced slowdown. And I'm eyeing one that I talked about at the top of the show. Trade desk. We just speak with the CEO. Noi calls rapid fire in a very sobering edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Crayman. I like to buy hysteria, not sell it. I like to buy panic, not sell it. We are trying to make sense of things for you here tonight in the face of this incredibly difficult but panicky tape. Top of the show, I recommended a bunch of fast-growing cloud stocks that rarely ever come in, because these are often the first names, though, to bounce back from any hideous market-wide slacking, biological or financial. I may have another one for you in this workday. You're familiar with it. It's a software as a service company that helps businesses automate lots of back-office jobs, especially in human resources and financial management. I've seen it at work. It saves money. Workdays is one of our cloud kings. It's been a huge long-term winner. But last July, they missed numbers and the stocks never really recovered. Tried to bounce over the past couple of months, but then the coronavirus hit. Whole market got wrecked. In just over a week, Workday's pulled down 15%. After the close, company reported a strong quarter as expected. Better than expected guidance, though, for the full year won't be enough to turn things around or we want to take a long-term view. If it keeps going down, you want to buy it. Before he hopped on his own earnings call, he had the chance to discuss all this with and Neil Bushry. He's the co-founder and CEO of Workday and, I think, a real straight shooter. Mr. Bushry, welcome back to Mad Money. How are you, Jim? Well, you know, I don't know, because you're going to have to help me, because a lot of people feel that the country and the world have stopped because of a virus that we're all waiting in this country to perhaps deal with head-on, and yet I look at your results and I think I don't see any cessation... Of uh, business, perhaps this quarter doesn't include that, but you're, you have boots on the ground. Tell me where people are.
3: Uh, you know, I think people are cautious. Uh, we're a global company right now. I don't think the uh, the risk in the U.S. is that high, but in the, but in Asia Pacific and Europe, our employees are worried, and so you know we we have to take that into account. But business, you know, we're still having conversations with our customers. We're just we're just being smart about the way we travel and and listening to all the governments in terms of the recommendations.
1: People need Workday because people have companies that need to save money and be operating more efficiently, whether they are not feeling well or ill or even hospitalized. Their institutions need this kind of software as a service. So when you go to a Wells Fargo. To uh, Charlie Scharf, maybe the, one of the smartest people I've ever met, and he looks at your product and he makes his decision. Is he at all thinking, you know what I can't bring work day in because there's this thing called the coronavirus? I
3: don't, I don't think that factors into it, and uh, you know I really hope this is a, a blip and that everybody can be as healthy as possible. Uh, we'll return to normalcy, I, th- I think in the probably by the summer, we all would hope. But business moves forward and our, our, our company is continuing to take care of its customers, take care of our employees and uh, and, and do what we need to do to, to continue to build a vibrant company with really happy customers.
1: Uh, you take an outfit like Southwest, uh, you've got Gary Kelly, I think the foremost executive in the industry, but he also has problems with uh, travel because of Corona. He also has Boeing issues because of the 737. And he's got Permian issues because of slowing down in oil. Why does he need new software with all of those distractions?
3: Well, I think in the case of both uh, Gary and Charlie, they're two of the best CEOs in the industry uh, in America, probably in the world. And they're focused on transforming their employee experience. In both cases, they want to make sure their employees have access to the best information, best career opportunities, and they have a long-term view on how they're going to build their companies. And Workday is very fortunate to be a part of that.
1: Now, when I, I think about Workday, I think about what, co- what companies are actually doing, which is figuring out a way to both do human capital management but also do finance. How many are taking the suite? And how many are just you get in one way this time at least? Because this was such a strong quarter for you. What do you what's the, uh, uh, the preponderance, suite or human capital and then hope to get finance?
3: Well, you know, this past quarter, we had our best quarter ever for financials, uh, by far. It was our best quarter for the adaptive planning cloud. It was the best quarter for our prism analytics. So the office of the CFO it really uh, picked up in this past quarter. And we had a no- number of accounts that actually bought finance before HR. But if you were to look at our mix, about one of every four customers has bought the full suite. And that number is growing.
1: All right. Now, I'm used to Oracle saying to me after uh, and some is I'm sadly as the late Mark Hurd who's a competitive guy that we all knew. But saying, you know what, Workday's not winning nearly as much business as you think when there's those takeovers. They're trying to figure out what system Workday's losing. losing. Um, I have not seen you lose a big, big client. Uh, I, maybe there was a big so, uh, at one point uh, QSR, quick serve restaurant chain that somebody told me that you may or may not lost. But give me the ratio of what you're winning. Uh, in the ones that are up for bid,
3: you know anywhere uh depending on the competitor, from two out of three to three out of four, and that's been very constant for the past four or five years, and you know it is all about creating value for our customers. We have the ability to take our customers live in a in a quick time frame, and seventy percent of our customers, especially the large ones, are in production and, and no one really else. Has those proof points
1: okay now you are a person and I know you you're a person of touch you as is your team I mean you like to get together you like to know uh, introduce people to work day outside and inside I know when I see you on the street I always say well there's a Neil and Neil is a personality <laughs> and a force but you had a sales kickoff meeting that you an internal event that you couldn't do. Uh, in the typical fashion, and this is because of coronavirus, does that not affect someone like you who is really supercharged and getting people motivated?
3: Uh, you know, we, we have uh, an ability to deliver the same content uh, via, via technology. I'm a big fan of Zoom and, and WebEx. They're, these products are great. We'll get our chance in the not so distant future to get everybody together again. But, you know, the reality is we're a global company and we're an inclusive company. And if our European friends and our Asia-Pac friends couldn't make it, it it really is not a great sales kickoff. And so we'll wait until we can bring them all together.
1: And your big event. I mean, I have to believe that has always been a way for people to get together, talk about what they like about Workday, meet your people, give a great feel. What's the prospects that that could be turned be off?
3: Oh, I think by the fall, uh, I think I, I'm guessing that uh, we'll be in a much better place. I'm an optimist, but just watching the patterns of, of past viruses usually tails off in the summer. You know, I think at some point we'll see a vaccine uh, and and uh, I suspect we'll be absolutely fine by the fall.
1: Well, good. I mean, a life goes on attitude is not such a bad attitude to maintain. And you know, Bush, thank you so much for coming on Mad Bunny. Thank you, Jim. All right. There we go, guys. These are the kinds of this is a cloud king. You need the product, whether you're feeling well or not. And he's the co-founder and CEO of Workday, which we championed for a very, very long time. They have Money's back. After the break. It is time. It's time the Lightworkers. It's time for the Lightroom. Play the sound. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready, ski? Daddy, come for the lighting round, Kate. Let's go with Mark in Michigan. Mark! Hey, how you doing? I've been riding the McKesson train now for a little while there. Really? Well, the problem with the McKesson train is Bernie. See, people now feel that Bernie's in ascension. If Bernie's in ascension, McKesson gets cut out. I do not share this view. I am not worried about it, but it's just still not one of my favorite companies because I just think they are middlemen and therefore no real value added. Let's go to Bernard in New Jersey. Bernard.
3: Hey, Jim, it's Bernard coming at you with the biggest Armenian
1: booyah you've ever seen. Skinny Daddy. What love do you love it? What's not to love about an Armenian booyah? Let's go. Which one? Cartronik? I mean, the ATM company? It's Okay. It's down a lot. I have no particular edge. Um, it, it's just okay. It's neither here nor there. How about that? Um, how about John in Connecticut? John. Jimmy Chill. Yes. John from Bethel, Connecticut. Uh, thanks for all you do for us. John. Oh, you're I'm welcome. And uh, I've been waiting to get into Boeing forever. I'm looking at 280 Is that a good price? Well, you know, I think it's a moving target, Boeing. I do believe that they're probably going to get approval for the uh, max within, let's say, the next two months. Uh, you, so you do want to want – so what you do, let's say you want to buy like 200 shares. I would buy 50 tomorrow, and then I'd wait 25 points. If it the worst that happens is it goes up, and you have a quick game. Let's go to Chris in California, please. Chris. Hey, Jim. First time, long time. All right. Guess I'm supposed to say booya. so booya. Booya. Well That's what you do, really. Yep. Hey, listen, just like coronavirus, 5G is still coming. What are your thoughts on Xilinx? They were in the wrong part of 5G, actually, and that's why the stock keeps going lower. At this point, it's a little absurd to sell. But just understand that 5G is completely on hold, and the people who own the stocks are frantically trying to sell them. And Xilinx is still frantically being sold, even though I recognize there could be some value there. It is not my cup of tea when there's so many other great semis going down. Um... Oh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is
1: sponsored by TD Ameritrade. I'm opening up the lines to hear from you, the voices of Great America, because it's an uncertain time. I want to talk to you. Mr. Kramer, I just want to tell you, you are absolutely, positively fantastic. Thanks for helping us not panic in times like this. The average investor, which we all know and love, you cater to us, and we appreciate that for all you teach us. I am not going anywhere. You shouldn't either. We will get through this together.
3: Kramer has your back. Call 1-800-743-CNBC and let's take on the market together.
1: We're going to figure this out. We'll puzzle it over and we'll make it so that we're all smarter. As we watch the tape continue to nosedive, remember, there are a lot of software companies that can potentially hold up just fine, even do well in the event of a coronavirus-induced economic slowdown. But their stocks are getting hammered anyway, which is where opportunity comes in. Consider the trade desk. Which helps its clients manage data-driven digital advertising campaigns. This thing's been a fabulous long-term winner. We have loved it because the company's also becoming a cord-cutting play. If you want to advertise against streaming content, it's Trade TradeDask They help you figure out the best way to spend that money. At the end of last year, the stock was trading at 267. But last Thursday it has surged at 323. But thanks to this market wide sell-off, TTD has given up all those gains and then summoned it closed at 250 today. Tonight though. Trade Desk reported, I think this may be the moment of truth. While the company blew away the sales and earnings estimates, they also gave conservative guidance for both the next quarter and the full year. Why? Because they're making aggressive investments to expand into high-growth areas like connected TV, data-driven advertising, and the rest of the world. A year ago, Wall Street would have loved this kind of quarter because investors wanted growth at any cost. But now they've become a little more skittish. I think that is so wrong. A company must invest for the long-term to win. Let's check in with Jeff Green. He's the founder and chairman and CEO of the Trade Desk, and one of our favorites to find out more about his quarter. Company's prospects. Jeff, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be back.
1: Jeff, I tell you, people just say, well, the world stopped. Nobody's doing business. But one thing I see are endless advertisements on my PC and when I stream for presidential candidates. How do they do their advertising? I bet you they give the money to you.
2: Yeah, uh, we're, we're having an amazing start to our 2020 and you'll note from today's guide that we're we're just feeling really great about our Q1. Uh, we're feeling really great about the year, of course, as well, and that's largely driven by political advertising. So uh, I'm really excited, even though it's low single digits in terms of percentage of our of our customers. Uh, um, it is an amazing addition to the year for us, and really excited to be representing nearly every presidential candidate on both sides of the aisle as well as all sorts of local uh, candidates as well. So we're excited to be participating in what we think is a very important process and excited for the just yet additional tailwind that it represents. Okay, well,
1: I don't know what, whether there's uh, advertising uh, candidate privilege, but why the heck, I see a Mayor Bloomberg ad no matter where I go. I, I, I don't know, I mean, is that trade desk? <laughs> uh, well, so uh,
2: uh, we're definitely representing uh, nearly a- every presidential candidate. Uh, so it could be
1: all right. Fair enough. I appreciate you have to be discreet. But boy, <laughs> I can't get away from the guy. Uh, and now let me ask you something. <laughs> we have been saying, if you want to play court cut, you know, we've been saying this at Roku's overdone. The fact is, is that the companies I deal with that I know from advertising, they're great companies, but they don't know how to do it. And they don't want to be captive to two different companies that really are evil empires. They're going to trade desk, correct?
2: That, that's exactly right. So, so, you know, Google has nearly 75% market share in search. Facebook has something close to that in social market share. Uh, but in connected TV, it's much more fragmented. And what many advertisers are, are, have discovered recently is that the rest of the Internet is very big. And that is especially brought on by connected TV. So uh, because connected TV is so fragmented, there is this huge opportunity for advertisers to come to us. So if you want to advertise on Google, you go to Google. If you want to advertise on Facebook, you go to Facebook. If you want to advertise on the rest of the Internet, you come to us, uh, and that's where, we're, uh, that's where we're providing the most amount of value.
1: Well, one of our themes tonight, as everyone we – we'd been very bearish, and – uh, I think when my wife watches, it, she said, Jim, you're hysterical about this uh, illness. Well, now everyone's talking about the illness. So I'm not as hysterical. I'm trying to find opportunity that the market's down. Does the trade desk have anything whatsoever to do with the coronavirus?
2: Well, so, uh, you know, in order to win in our space, you have to be a global player. So we have, you know, 25 plus offices around the world. Uh, uh, as you know, we've talked about before. Uh, um, that we have offices in China and in, in, in Hong Kong, so you know those offices are definitely impacted. And of course, most businesses around the world have some amount of impact from it. But as far as what we're seeing on sort of the from a global perspective, people are continuing to advertise as aggressively as they ever have, and we don't see any major effect to our business at this point. I'll also say anecdotally that just. Watching closely how the governments have responded in China and Singapore as well as here, I'm really impressed with the way everybody's responded. Uh, uh, and I think that signals, at least for me, that uh, uh, things will be uh, uh, under control perhaps faster than in scares of the past like SARS. It's
1: really good to hear someone be optimistic. One last question, Jeff. One of the reasons <laughs> why I've been so bullish on Trade Desk here. People working at home. And when you work at home, you have distractions. And one of the things you do is you cord cut, you watch. And if you watch, you're going to see more of trade desks during the day than when you're at work. What do you think of that analysis?
2: Uh, I think that's right. I, I do think that the more people, the more times people spend at home, the more likely they are to watch television, the more likely they are to cord cut. The less time you spend traveling, the more time you're going to spend consuming media. Uh, I think that is absolutely a fact. I also think that if there is any negative impact, even if it's small uh, to consumer uh, um, uh, um, sentiment, that that makes it so that advertisers are going to be way more deliberate about where they spend. And that's going to be very good for us. So in, in all scenarios, data-driven advertising, I think, is in a very good position.
1: Well, you know what? I'm so glad you came on. You are a straight shooter. What a business you have. Congratulations. That is Jeff Green, founder, chairman, CEO of Trade Desk. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money, sir. Thanks, Jim. It's so great to be back. Thank ah, you. Terrific. Okay. Remember what our focus is. Highest growth matters, even in a terrible market, because it won't always be terrible. Trade Desk. Stick with Craigslist. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I'm Tom Sharp Finance, just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
0: At Fidelity, online U.S. stock and ETF trades are commission free. $0 commission for online retail Fidelity account, U.S. equity, and ETF trades. Sell order assessment fee and some account types and securities excluded. See fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE, SIPC.